So welcome back to the Diaries of the Wild Ones. Once again, a huge thank you to Wild Earth Australia for supporting me and the Adventurous Lifestyle. Now, I'm so stoked to be supported by Wild Earth. You know, I went to them with an idea. I said, hey guys, I need some gear. I'm heading off to go on these random islands off Queensland and kind of live off them. I said, what do I need? And these guys just hooked me up with everything. They had everything that I needed for this trip. So I just cannot thank them enough. Man, I've got the coolest gear. I've got solar panels to charge all my camera gear. I've got I've got the coolest tent. I've got machetes. I've got knives. I've got literally, I've got solar lanterns. I've got ration packs. These guys literally had everything that I needed for this trip. And I'm so stoked to be supported by them. So if you need anything for your next adventure, go to wildearth.com.au and put in the 10% discount code Diaries of the Wild Ones, all one word, capital letters. Get adventuring now, guys, and Wild Earth have all the gear you need. You guys know it. They've got it. <laughs> it's just, fuck, I love Wild Earth. Okay. Also, a huge thank you to Free Brewing Co. Organic preservative free beer. You'll find them at BWS and Dan Murphy's. So welcome back to the Diaries of the Wild Ones. Guys, my life is just getting so ridiculous. So my plan has worked. So I'm currently on the Percy Island group. Now it's a chain of islands that are uninhabited except for the middle island here that has one homestead on it with a couple that live on it as leaseholders. Now I am 123 kilometers off Mackay and 180 off Yapoon. And you cannot see Australia where we are. It's insane. Now, the plan was to hitchhike with passing yachts up to these islands, set up a base camp, hang out, and just thrive. And my plan has worked brilliantly. The first guy that picked me up is the guy you're about to meet, Sage, an amazing young bloke who has his own YouTube channel, The Mer and The Man, and he's just living a really freaking cool life. Now, the plan for me was to hitchhike up and meet cool people along the way and interview them. So this is the first interview of this trip. Now, we have had a ridiculous time together, Sage and I. We set sail from Yapoon or from the Keppel Islands. We It took us seven days to get up to the Percy's because we got caught in storms. We got caught in wild weather. We had to hide out. We went diving. We found caves. We we caught fish. Like, we just had this amazing time. And now he's, he's on the Percy's with me, and I'm still living on his boat. So I'm pretty much spending two weeks on his catamaran. And then he leaves in a few days and leaves me on the island by myself. Now, I've already planted my seeds. Him and I are about to start building a hut together for me to live in. So this, you know, this is just getting ridiculous, you know. And my plan here is not to survive, but it's to thrive. So I've already started trading with, with the yachties that come through here for safe haven anchorage. Yesterday, I got coffee, I got pasta, I got rice. And then this, this old couple took pity on, on us and made us dinner. You know, so it's like, it's just been brilliant. You know, like once I've got my heart on the beach and sage, sage leaves, I'm kind of by myself. So it's just to um, have, have as much fun with it as possible and meet really cool people. I'm going to do as many interviews as I can with the passing yachties out here. And I'm just going to hang out and I have a good time. But this episode right here is the first recording of the trip. It's with Young Sage. It's a, 
amazing adventure story and I am so stoked with the content that I have coming for you guys. Now, at the same time, I'm filming this trip for a little mini YouTube series and I've got to say it right now, we have the most ridiculous footage. It's insane, catching fish, diving, <laughs> nearly losing the boat in a storm. Oh God, it's been wild. But anyway, this is the first episode of this trip, so you guys are absolutely going to love it. Now, you're about to meet Sage Jeffries from the YouTube channel, The Mur and The Man. Check it out and enjoy this podcast, guys. Oh. So you comfy? You got your coffee ready? Oh, I'm pretty good, bro. Ready to go. Yeah, we've got this breeze coming through. If we drop the mic, we'll hear it. Got a little bit of background noise from the dinghy in the in the off off the back of your catamaran here. Mm. I think that's a perfect place to start. Let's set the scene of where we're sitting right now. Right now, okay, Sage, what you're 22 years old. Is that, is, but, I can't get over it, man. You're yeah. a dude, you're a full man. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're like, a, you are such an old soul. Soul, you're so. And this is why I want to interview you because as a 22 year old, it's like you've been teaching me things, mm. like as in like how to show up in life. You know mm. what I mean? You're so wise for your age, mm. you know, that you can look into someone's eyes, into their soul and be able to give them genuine, wholeheartedly advice that makes sense. Mm. And it's wow. like, how does this kid know this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you, you look at you, you're a capable human being, obviously, because you're sailing your own yacht up the east coast of Queensland and for such a young age and... I'm looking at you going, oh my God, this guy's got a backstory. Mm. So that's what we're here for, for. But let's set the scene of where we are. Tell us where we are, Sage. <laughs> Tell us well, where we are, man. man. Well, as of last night, uh, we are at the Percy Islands, uh, way, way, like 120 nautical miles. Oh, sorry, no, 120 kilometers from Mackay and like 180 kilometers from Yapoon, which is like one of the furthest islands away from Australia and um, that you can get access to like from a port. So there's Lord Howe and then there's here, like one of the two furthest away islands. And how's that? And, and <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so that's where we are. I've said on the podcast before about how like I wanted to hitchhike up east coast of Queensland, right? And then um and I wanted to make it to these very islands, which we made it to last night. Yeah. You know, we will tell we will tell do a whole podcast on the story about getting here because oh my god, it was hectic. We hit storms, we <laughs> broke things, we ripped sails. It took us it wasn't like, oh let's just sail up. It what it took us seven days. Nah, you you were a bit naive. You were like, Oh yeah, I'll just hop on and I'll drop you dropped me off at the Percy's. I was like, oh, it, no, nah, it's going to take some time to get there, bro. <laughs> it's going to take at least like three to five days. Yeah, and it took us seven with like the weather windows, waiting out storms, getting caught in storms, ripping sails. Even coming in here last night, the freaking, well, I won't, I won't wreck it because we'll do a whole podcast on it because it's just insane, the story getting yeah. here. But, but dude, you picked up my call. Um, I messaged you through some friends, knowing that you're sailing up mm. and... I've asked, you know, if I can, if I can hitchhike with you, mm. you've said yes, I've come on and I've met you and I'm like, well, this dude's a solid dude. And then you tell me you're 22 and I'm like, whoa, okay, okay. Did you have no idea of my No, age? I thought you, I thought you would have been late twenties just, just by your presence, man. Mm. And after meeting your dad, I'm like, what an interesting guy. And I'm like, okay. And that's, that's the perfect place I want to start. So Sage, yeah. 
where did you grow up and how did you grow up? Oh, bro. Well, I mean, I grew up in the Byron Shire, you know, born, born in Suffolk and spent, you know, all my childhood bouncing around the Shire from house to house, deep in the hills, you know, testing out all the schools, getting a feel for, you know, the whole entire place. And yeah, pretty much spent all my childhood, you know, in that vicinity. But when I was 11 years old, my dad bought a boat and uh, separated with my mum and decided that he wanted to live a life on the ocean. And because I was his son, I kind of fell into the life uh, with him. So you went from having a bedroom to in a house to like a bunk on a yacht? Yeah, pretty much. Eh? So, you know, I would spend, you know, week on, week off with dad, you know, sailing and then back with mum. And obviously in holidays and stuff would be the primary times when I would go sailing because I had school. Uh, but yeah, I would spend like... 11 years on and off, you know, living on the ocean and on a boat. And how would you describe your family, your family unit, your parents? Because that's what I find most interesting. Your, your dad's very interesting and such a such a cool dude. And just everything that he's done, you know, being with activism throughout his time. Mm. I was like, to have a guy like that as a role model, someone that's like pushing boundaries, pushing the system, you know, fighting for what he believes in in his heart. Like, from what I know about your dad with only spending the last like week, because he's been sailing with you on his boat, um, is that he's a guy that stood up for what he's believed in within his own heart and a guy that lives from his heart. It was like, is that a message like that always came through to you? Yeah. You know, I feel like growing up in the Byron Shire, you know, there's quite a alternative way of living and doing things. And, you know, for my parents, I feel like they had to step away from, from their parents in the way that they had to push their own boundaries and their own comfort zones when it was shunned upon. And because they... Uh, allowed themselves to live an alternative way to to live in the bush or to live on a boat and just to to connect you know to the to nature and our environment in a more authentic way than living in a city uh, it definitely allowed for you know my imagination as a child uh, to to grow and expand and to for my perception of life to be a little different yeah, I, to. I, I said that to you the other day. It's like I've spent my whole life like reprogramming myself from the conservative like um, like household or suburban like lifestyle in Palm Beach that, mm. on the Gold Coast that I grew up in to, uh, you know, it's traveling that opened my, my eyes and gave mm. me these tools. And I often think like, wow, what if my parents like mm. gave me these tools as a kid? And like mm. when I meet you, you were given those tools. Like I've had to learn it and reprogram myself mm. as an adult to be able to like let go and be free and, and do go do live out my dreams. Mm. And it's never been a question. I've always been against the, against, I wouldn't say the system. I've just been against people telling me what the fuck to do. <laughs> well, no one likes being told what to do. No, nah, yeah, I just, and it's not that I'm against it as a rat. I just never understood it. Yeah. I was like, why? I want to go yeah. travel. I want to go dive. I want to go surf. Why can't I just do that? Yeah, I can say for sure, you know, growing up, you know, with my dad, you know, he, him being a, you know, eco-warrior, you know, f fully inspired me, you know, living on the ocean too, being so connected to the water and all the animals underneath the surface, you know, at first, when I was a kid, you know, I didn't, I didn't appreciate where I was and what I was doing and, and what I was spending my time doing. And then as I grew up, you know, as my awareness expanded and my perception of my life and my choices became more clear, I realized how, how special it is, the life I'm living and, and how 
I can really choose my reality. And, you know, seeing my dad and him standing up for the animals and the environment and using his, his voice uh, as a tool to create change was super inspiring for me. And yeah, then led me down the path I'm on now where I speak for the environment and the animals and the, the voiceless. Wow. As a, as a kid, like, did your dad teach you how to sail? Uh, did he teach I would, you? Did I you wouldn't just say him? he teach me. He kind of, he yelled at me. <laughs> <laughs> I followed instruction. That's what I did. And uh, I was around, you know, him, you know, during a lot of crazy experiences and and from all of the things breaking or from the you know scary times you know i learned a lot from that you know not necessarily him teaching me but me observing things going wrong and me seeing what to do to try and not make those things happen yeah did, as a kid like I, I know you've got in dangerous situations as an adult because we've just got in them together the last <laughs> couple of days yeah. but like you know as a, as a kid you know as a teenager being on a yacht with your dad and also not really knowing learning like was that scary like was there any like situations where they got like pretty hairy that you're like wanting to check out i mean life on the ocean wasn't scary but there were situations that were scary uh and yes there were many Many, many times. Uh, one that's just come to mind was uh, we were sailing in uh, through the, the bunker group, uh, the first bunker group of the Great Barrier Reef where like uh, Musgrave is and Heron and all those beautiful islands. And um, Dad was having some serious uh, motor issues. We had, it had been overheating and smoking for, for, for what felt like almost a month straight and he still hadn't been able to fix the issue. So we're coming in, we got the jib out the front, Dad's on a 44-foot catch, so it's got a jib, a mainsail and a mizzen. We had the jib and the mizzen up, we round the corner of, uh, of what well, it was Heron Island, and uh, we come around the corner, he goes to turn the engine on, because there's one mooring there, you're not allowed to drop the anchor, because you're surrounded by a reef, there's beautiful reef, reef everywhere, you know, there's nowhere to go, because there's nowhere to drop the anchor in sand, other than this one bommy. So he turns the engine on, and... Um, no no to no surprise it seems you know it it starts smoking up the 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 heat signal you know it's like going like max in the red zone it's like it's chaotic the the whole boat's filled with black smoke it's bellowing out the 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 companionway as we're sailing into Into, this mooring and into into with surrounded by reef surrounded by reef the engine's like feels like it's about to blow up i think i'm 13 and um you know it was me, Dad, and my sister on board. I'm pretty sure. And yeah, obviously the engine it would it wouldn't go. It just overheated to the point where it wasn't <laughs> wasn't serving its purpose. You couldn't you couldn't use it. So we sail. We start sailing in towards this mooring, and um, we got the jib and the mizzen out. So the only way there's there's huge weather system coming as well. There's like 25, 30 knots of wind coming our way, and we we're trying to hide from it. Yeah. And so we're sailing into this strong wind towards this bommy. And you know how sailing works is there's like a, a degree radius of about 30 to 35 degrees off the wind where you can't sail. It's like the dead zone, no man's land. Um, and so if you point into that direction, your sails start to flap and you lose your momentum. So dad's trying to time turning up into the mooring perfectly so he turns into the wind loses all of his speed and floats into it and and rides the momentum perfectly into the mooring so i can pick it up with the hook and uh we're coming in 
he does a pretty good job. He's like coming in, rounding up into the wind, and uh, the sails start flapping, and we start slowing down, and we hit like the dead dead stop zone like where like you got no momentum you're gonna start moving backwards soon i'm like full arm stretch like as far as i can go and i simply just can't reach the mooring so we bear off the wind and that fills the sails again i was like all right we'll try it one more time is, is he getting can you was he holding the space strong or could you tell he was getting nervous uh I mean, the engine was fucking blowing up. We were all shitting ourselves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had we had no idea what to expect, and we were just praying that we were going to be able to get to this mooring. So we bared off, and like, all right, we'll try one more time. We round, we'd round around and start aiming for the mooring again. This time, what he's done is he's gone upwind of the mooring, faded off, and hit that dead zone where you've got no momentum. And then as he starts to drift back we start to drift back onto the mooring. It's because he missed it. You know, he, he, yeah, he, yeah, he, he yeah, tried, yeah. tried to get it the first time and missed it, went too far. And then he went to the dead zone and then we started to drift back on it. And, you know, I'm like at the front of the boat, which is normally where you go to hook up the mooring. And but it's um, at the back. It's, it's, I'm like full arms left, can't, full arms length away. And I, I'm still full stretched, can't reach it. And, and there's nothing I can do. I'm at the front of the boat. There's this, uh, this, double kayak that is uh, positioned up the starboard side of his boat in the walkway where you're meant to be able to walk it's it's jammed with like this big kayak i see that i'm going to need to get halfway down the boat if i want to pick up this mooring so i leap over this double kayak all the way through the air i'm flying through the air don't even touch it just fully launch over it fly over the kayak shoot the hook over the side of the boat pick up the mooring yank it up and then i realized that like we've got heaps of sail up we're still moving we're sailing i've got nowhere to hook this mooring and i'm just holding the mooring in my hands and I'm oh like, my god and the boat is drifting back and we're about to start taking off and dad just yanks it out of my hands and puts it around the winch and then it's like the Captain Jack Sparrow moment, you know, when like he throws the anchor out the side and the whole boat keels over and the winds just smashed us and we were attached. We got a mooring attached halfway down the boat to a winch. We just do this <laughs> huge circle. And, uh, you know, we attached to the mooring in the end and got the sails down. And like, Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the mooring is supposed to be at the front of the boat pendulum. Yeah. And if it's on the yeah. side like that, it's going to be tipping it over, spinning it. It's yeah, going to be yeah. rough and it was, wild. It was crazy. No, I was like 13 or something, just doing that. Would you, growing up on a boat, mm. you know, as a, as, like you said, as a 13-year-old, having to jump into action, having to deal with, like, problems and face them every time they come up, is that something you would do as a, as a parent or recommend other parents do to you, for your kids? Oh, well, I mean, it connects, you know, parts of your brain that don't really get activated any other way, you know, being in a dangerous situation, having to think rationally, act fast, you know, they're all things that are pretty essential as a human to be able to do. So learning them at a young age, I would suggest, you know, pick, pick a relatively safe way of teaching your children it, you know, <laughs> depends, you know, what your comfort zone is as a parent, you know, yeah. if, if you're confident enough to send your kid out into the ocean with you and feel like you'll be able to keep him safe, then yes, definitely. Because um, that's where the... You know, like I, I feel, oh yeah, like we said it earlier, we're talking about kids. I was like, oh, I reckon I'll be a great dad, but at the same time, I know a lot of people are going to think I'm going to be reckless. Like I would be a reckless dad. Mm. You know what I mean? But it's just like I want to 
teach my kids adventure. I want to take them diving. I want to take mm. them surfing, you know, and when you do live that adventurous lifestyle and, and you have to um, deal with whatever comes at you with the situation you're in, mm. it's like that is where you get all your strength and where you grow and where you learn. And I'd love to, you know, give my kids that opportunity. It's, it's pretty bonding. Yeah, it's 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 pretty special thing to share with your kids and, and, and my dad. Yeah, for sure. So throughout that and your dad yelling at you throughout your teenage <laughs> years and sailing, did you become a sailor? I definitely uh, observed a lot of things going wrong. You know, <laughs> I observed a, a lot of shit hitting the fan and, you know, a safe harbor doesn't make a good captain. So I've been around a lot of drama and a lot of things going wrong. And from that, I've learned a lot. And um, I'm able to make, yeah, relatively calculated decisions on my environment and what's happening to me in the moment. So, so where did the idea come from where, or, and the confidence for, for you to say, you know what, it's, it's time for me to, you know, I'm, I think you were, you were 20, weren't you, when you bought Pearl, this boat, yeah. the catamaran we're on? Yeah. And it's your first boat? Uh, it was my first liveaboard boat. I had a little 14-foot catamaran just before I purchased this boat just to get my grip on sailing and operating a vessel. Um, but yeah, I, I dropped out of school after year 11 and moved to Bali, lived there for a year and a half and uh, came back and moved back onto my dad's boat. I think I was 19. And, um, you know, I moved back onto my dad's boat and was like, I love the ocean. I love boats. Oh, God, I want to get away from dad. <laughs> I got to find a way to make this happen. So me and my partner at the time, you know, set out with the, with the vision of creating a marine conservation adventure blog. So documenting, you know, all of the epic things that life uh, provides us and, um, and creating a, a difference at the same time, speaking for the environment, talking about things that we're passionate about. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing that now and have been for two years. And that's your YouTube channel yeah, called... Yeah, um, on the YouTube the, channel. The Murr and the Man? Yeah, The Murr and the Man. Yeah. Like, so, The Murr and the Man. And so, you know, it's, it's documenting this adventurous life you're living on, on your boat. But yeah. where did... Where was that idea planted? Like, do you remember that moment when you're like, you know what, I'm doing it? There, there was a moment. There was a moment I realized that I don't have to stay on my dad's boat, you know? I actually can do this on my by myself, uh, and I'm, I'm capable of doing it. And that was that was a strange realization, you know, realizing that. Hold on, anyone can do this. Anyone can buy a boat. Anyone can live this life. And um, yeah, it, it, it was a it was a serious pivot in my life. You know, I, I buckled down, got three jobs, worked for a year straight, saved some cash. And then just like search for boats for for a year. Man, I've got, I've got this uh, podcast uh, with Haydar Logie, um, which is like the, he's like the Heath Ledger in Iceland, the first pro surfer mm. up there, and he's he's one of my best mates up Sick. there. And I did a promo video for that podcast episode, and it was got an audio clip of something that he said in it. And I rewatch the video all the time because it inspires me and makes me think so much, mm. right? And he says like the the clip it is like he said you know he was. He hit about 19 or 20. He couldn't control his smoking. He couldn't control his drinking. His life wasn't going anywhere. He didn't know what to do. And he said, you know, I think he said he'd been on Ritalin for 10 years and he didn't want to do it anymore. And he just said, like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, kind of thing. And he said he, he, said he just went home, wrote down a step-by-step -step plan of where he wanted to be. And he said every day he woke up and just fucking worked on the next step. Mm. And he said within, like before he knew it he had quit his day job 
you know, and was just chasing waves for a living. He had sponsors. And I've just watched this guy even from when I've known him, you know, like I met him in Indonesia years ago. So I've known him for about six years and just watched his career just take off, you know, doing um, movies with Chris Burkhardt and mm. all this stuff. And all he did was just go, you know what? Just doing a step-by-step plan. And, and that's what I always say to people. It's, it's and one thing that I've realized. It's just um, making those little just working a little bit towards it every day if you just go zero to hero you know it's it's you stay you don't get the sense of achievement mm. you know you've got to, it's it's too overwhelming you've mm. got to like go step by step like you said like you got a job you got two jobs you got three jobs you know you start mm. saving the money yeah. you know you get see that money coming in you, you're doing it you're doing you're motivating yourself as that money's coming in mm. you've got a greater purpose mm. and then it gets to the gets to the point where you get to do it mm. How did you know you had enough money? <laughs> oh, dude, I did didn't. You? I still don't. <laughs> but, you know, that's not going to stop me. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I live for what makes me happy. Yeah. And this is what makes me happy. So why would I want to do anything else? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a long process, you know, like getting dream board going like, shit, you know, what, what is it? that I want to do what is it that I want to create and it took a long time to get out of the brain uh, and onto a piece of paper into a foundation that you know I could comprehend mm. and but you know that's that's all it took you know getting the dream out of out of the head and and onto a piece of paper and just you know I think it's called brainstorming or like yeah. dot pointing and just like cranking different ideas and um dream board yeah yeah Make, making a, a dream vision board, board a yeah. vision board yeah yeah we used to do them and it's like and sometimes I've, I've had in my life where i'm like yeah but i don't know where i want to go but then the question is it's like but i know what direction i want to go so it's like start moving in that direction and i yeah. can figure out you know the end goal yeah you know, i feel like a lot of people like in today's day and age you know a lot of us have jobs a lot of us are doing something where it's feeding somebody else's vision a lot of us are spending and dedicating a lot of our time to somebody else's thing. And it's easy to feel like that's the only way when it's actually just as easy to comprehend and create your own vision with, mm. that aligns to your own values and your own happiness. And then when you're dedicating your time towards something that isn't you know, somebody else's dream or somebody else's purpose, then life becomes so much more fulfilling. No, it was said to me once, or it was said, said to me like not that long ago, actually. It was like, think about you, you're at work right now and you're spending eight to 10 hours, 11 hours at that job. Now, this is where this is actually about why I'm filming this because, okay, so we're, I'm filming this for my own little mini series because, and, and it's been so much fun filming, you know, and I was saying to you today going, oh my God. I can't believe I didn't film like the storylines of when mm. I was in Iceland or something or like some or the trips that I've done before. I'm like, now I feel like I'm missing out that mm. we have just documented the most insane stuff only in a week, you know what I mean? And I'm just filming it just to see if I like it or for something different for a bit of fun. But it was said to me because a filming was going to come and, then, and it didn't happen. And then it was just said to me like, oh, a, a friend said like, um, she was like, Aaron, just just film it. And uh, the, a friend of mine, Bonnie, she's an entrepreneur. Fuck, she's just so onto it. And she just manifests things and makes it happen. She said, like, um, you know, you're working. And I was working at the power station to get some money up to finish finish my house. She said, you know, think about you're doing 10 hours a day there. Imagine if you spent that 10 hours a day, like, learning or putting that energy into something else mm. that's for you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't take long. 
doesn't take long to master something. Well, it might have been studying Bitcoin. I don't know. I sat there every day for 10 hours studying Bitcoin. It probably wouldn't take me long to... You'd have a lot of money. Learn how to... You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, it's a great learning curve. Man, I've just been learning. Mm. That's what life is. It's just figuring it out. But it's, mm. it's being open to learning. Yeah. And open to knowing that I don't know shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, yeah. Well, what I do know is who I am. Well, I'm constantly learning who I am, but it's just like, that's what I do know. And if I stick to that, then life's fucking amazing. Mm. Dude, how did you buy this boat? Bro. You've saved up. You've oh. had the dream. You've done the vision board. You've worked three jobs for it. So what you've done is you've, you've put in the effort to get the dream, the reward at the end of the rainbow. And that's the thing. It doesn't get handed to you. We want to fucking make it happen. We, you've gone and made it happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of a, a long story, you know, because, you know, it's easy half an hour story uh, of how I bought the boat that we're on for $1. Um, but I could give you, you know, a, a slightly, you know, trimmed up version. Well, we've got time, so I'm, I'm happy for the half an hour version. Yeah. Or whatever version. All right. Well, you know. Whatever version you feel comfortable I'll with. I'll say it again in case I didn't hear it. I bought this boat for $1. <laughs> Um, so, did you feel robbed when you just spent a year working three jobs <laughs> to buy a boat and you're like oh just dude yeah. <laughs> dude I was like oh my god you know, I, I had no idea it was even possible to buy a boat for a dollar you know it, it all started you know way I, I went to TAFE and I uh, was studying the coxswain's course which, which is a commercial boat operator's license and I was doing that course to um to just feel like, you know, I had a really good understanding of the environment and the weather and just like, just to add on top of my knowledge already so I was extra confident for when I was going to go and buy my boat. So I was studying the coxswain's course and I go there for two days a week and um, there was a teacher there called Brad and uh, he's now passed away so I'm sending him lots of love. Uh, but he was the first one to tell me that I was looking, you know, around at all these little boats. It was this tiny little boat for like $8,000, you know, tiny little single beds, nowhere to hang out up above and just like way smaller than the boat we're on now for eight grand. And I was showing him that and he was like, Sage, don't be silly. You can go up to the early beach and like wit Sundays and buy a boat for a dollar. I was like, there's no way that's possible. You're just saying that to me so you don't, so I don't buy this little shitty boat. And I was like, Nah, there's no way that's possible. So, you know, over the time span of uh, a year, I was saving money and looking at the market, the boat market. Like, I went and looked at, you know, a bunch of different boats uh, during that time period. And um, me and my partner at the time, Emily, it was our anniversary. And we went up to uh, the, the hills of... Uh, we went up to the hills of Wilson's Creek and sat around the fire. And, um, you know, we were both very passionate... Uh, ocean conservationists and just like full love for the planet and animals and you know we were just talking to each other saying like how are we going to save the world how are we going to do it it needs to be done so how are we going to do it and you know after a lot of time thinking and pondering and laughing and giggling um, I was like I know how we're going to do it I know how we can save the world all we need to do is convert all the money that's come from a negative source and give it a positive impact and I was like, holy shit, there is so much dirty money out there in the world that if I was able to give that money a positive impact, we could change the world forever. Wow. And I was like, all right. Oh, wait. Oh, how are we going to get the money? 
<laughs> so you know i'm looking for boats and i'm i'm searching the market i've been searching the market for so long and um you know during that period of time i went and looked at five catamarans ranging from eight thousand dollars to forty five thousand dollars and during that period of time there was this boat that popped up on the market uh for 35 grand and i kind of like skimmed over it scrolled past it and wasn't too interested at it uh, wasn't too interested in it for the price that it was up for and um, you know six months passed and the boat pops back up onto the market for 20 grand so it's just lost 15 grand from what it was you know six months prior did that give you any alarm bells as in like oh six months they obviously having trouble selling it what's wrong with it I wasn't really sure what the story was um, but I later found out yeah 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 <laughs> So we, me and Emily are the first people to, to contact the, the owners of the boat and say, hey, we're interested in the boat. We want to come and look at it. So we were in Brunswick Heads living on my dad's boat <laughs> trying yeah. to get off it. And um, we were like, all right, we're going we're gonna to drive 16 hours up to Ellie Beach and check out this boat. So we hop in the car, start driving along. We're on the phone to uh, Gary, which is the current owner of the boat. And uh, he lives in Yapoon. So we stop in Yapoon um, and his, we pull into his house and have a little chat to him and, you know, ask him a few things about the boat and, and then um, he gives us the keys to get in and then I ask him, hey, can I, can I take the boat for a test sail? Little did he know I'd never operated a large ship before, being the captain, you know, and I, I was just like just throwing that comment out there expecting it to be declined and he was like, oh, yeah, go for it. And I was like, all right, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we jump back in the car, drive all the way up to, um, to Airlie Beach and, uh, and rock up at the boat. And um, no, no one's there. Uh, at that day, we arrived to take us out to the boat. Uh, the following morning, Cleon, which was the previous owner to the boat, the guy who bought the boat for 35 grand. Which is the neighbor of the current owner. The neighbor of Gary. Yeah, so Cleon sold it to Gary for 10 grand. Um, and then Gary got overwhelmed with the ownership of it and put it back up online for, for 20. Um, so he was, you know, still making a little bit of money on it because he only bought it for 10. And uh, so, yeah, we, we swim out to the boat on our surfboards, you know, swim out to mm. the croc infested waters yeah. and, um, yeah, go out to the boat and uh, suss it out, open it up, you know, get in the hulls and just envision living on it. And it felt really good. You know, we really liked the vibe of it. And... Uh, we we're like, all right, sweet. Well, let's let's figure out how these sails work, and uh, let's go let's go for a sail. So we yeah we let go of the mooring and pull the main sail up and the jib, and we set sail through these million dollar boats, kind of zigzagging through, frothing out of my mind. We're both like, yeah. Are you nervous? Are you scared? Was you did, did your girlfriend have confidence in you? No, she was shit scared, man. She was terrified. Um, but, you know, I was pretty nervous too. And, you know, I'd never done it before. I'd never operated a ship by myself. I was finally the person responsible for the boat. And um, so, yeah, that was that was really scary. But so, yeah, we take off sailing and we're loving it. We're like, oh, yeah, this is the boat. Like, we stepped on board and we loved the feeling. And then we took it for a test sail and we're like, cool, let's do this thing. So the first thing you do when you buy a boat is a similar thing with a car, you know, you, you go and get like a pink slip or a roadworthy or a each state in it. Australia has a different little way they, you know, find out what's wrong with it. But yeah, for a boat, it's called a survey. So we're like, all right, sweet. So we'll, we'll get a survey done and then we'll make an offer on the boat. This is the boat. We're going to do it. And we get online, 
call up every single surveyor in Airlie Beach and they're all booked out. There's no one available to survey the boat for us during the time period that we were there. And we didn't want to leave and have somebody survey the boat without us being there because we wanted to learn from the guy. We wanted to see what he did. We wanted to, You wanted to make sure it was like legit, not yeah, some guy just skimming over things. For sure, yeah. So we wanted to be there. So we realized, oh my God, you know, we can't get a survey done on this boat, which means we can't buy it. We won't buy it. We won't make that, we won't take that risk. So we surrender. We go, all right, we're not going to buy this boat. We've got to give up. Let's just go down to the harbor and look at some boats and, you know, just keep dreaming. And uh, we walked down to the end of pier on the dock. All the way up to the end, the final boat on the dock is called Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and this, this bogan, he, he's, uh, he hops off the boat and, uh, with his towel over his shoulder. And he, he says, hey, how you going, mate? <laughs> and uh, me and Emily are kind of a bit startled and like, oh, my God, like, what? what? <laughs> this is so funny. He just hopped off a boat called Awesome and he's the biggest bogan of ever met. <laughs> And he's yeah, like, oh, this is me boat, awesome. Yeah, she's she's bloody great. And uh, anyway, by the time, you know, we got talking and by the time we walked from the end of the dock back to where uh, the dock ended, uh, I told him, like, my life story. I told him how I got my name, Shaman, as a kid and, like, uh, bitten by a snake and all those things that happened to me as a child. And, and then eventually I told him, you know, why we were in Airlie Beach and... Um, you know that there were no surveys around and we had to give up and we're looking at this boat around the corner and then he was like oh wait hold on my my nephew is a boat builder he can come and survey the boat for you at seven o'clock tomorrow morning for free what and we were like no <laughs> what are you manifesting mate <laughs> i know it's crazy hey so we're like wow, I can't believe the universe has just allowed this opportunity to, to have a survey done on this boat for free, which normally costs $1,000, which would have, you know, took a big chunk out of our savings. So in, in comes Tyler, bloody legend. Uh, we meet him. At, he's, at, he's out in the town. He picks up the phone. He's like, hello. I'm like, uh, hi, my name's uh, Sage. I've just been talking to your uncle. He's just kind of told me that you would come and survey my boat for me tomorrow morning. He's like bit drunk on the other side of the boat he's like oh yeah mate yeah all good I'll, I'll see you in the morning i'm like sweet perfect he comes down we meet tyler have a real cool chat he's a young bloke as well i think he's in like 23 24 or something um his dad's a boat builder anyway that's another story so he comes out to the boat and uh and starts tapping around so this boat is made out of glass over plywood so fiberglass over plywood and epoxy resin and the con of that hull material is that water gets into the uh, the wood and it soaks in and starts to rot the wood that's pretty much the so if you have any cracks through any of the epoxy the fiberglass anywhere any any non-sealed place it'll get into yeah. the wood and seep in through the wood and yeah. rot it so the predominant places that the water gets in is every place where there is a bolt through the hull if it hasn't been sealed properly so he starts tapping away at the hull and and he finds a bunch of rot and you know he looks up at me and gives me the eyes you know when someone's just about to tell you something that's just not good he yeah, looks yeah. up at me he's like bro don't buy this boat and i'm like oh no like i had so much hope in this boat like it felt so good and so right yeah so by that time uh the, the not current owner but the previous owner Cleon. Cleon who bought the boat for 35 grand he dropped us out to the boat on a tinny and um, 
he was on the mainland waiting for us to say that we were finished. So he comes out and picks us up, drops us back to the dock. And, um, you know, we had to break the news to him. You know, it was kind of always Cleon's boat. Like, he he bought the boat because his wife committed suicide. Oh. Yeah, so it was a huge deal for him. And, you know, she said to him to follow his dreams. And, um, and, and you know, his dream was to buy a boat and live on the ocean. So we bought this boat and he didn't get a survey done. So he bought it for 35 grand, got overwhelmed um, with the, the ownership of the boat um, when he went on a test sail with Gary and they, uh, they were bashing into swell and, you know, couldn't get back to the home port and had to call up Marine Rescue and they, they got rescued. And um, So, yeah, he, it, it was always kind of Cleon's boat. So Cleon was there. He just picked us up and dropped us back to the, the shore and we were like, hey, Cleon, we've got something to say something to tell you man um the boat's rotten and he just balls out in tears and you know it was yeah really hard for him to realize you know he bought a rotten boat as his dream and a mm. boat that was meant to you know oh that is so give him purpose sad. yeah it was super sad so we, we held space for him and, and I, I met him the other day in Yapuna. he's a beautiful dude yeah, yeah just good energy I, I really like the guy yeah cleon's a really good dude really mm. good heart and um yeah so we held space for him and and you know just you know were there for him and saw him and gave him words of affirmation and was like everything's going to be okay it wasn't his boat at this stage it was his neighbors but it was his he's, dream and he still felt responsible I suppose. yeah he, too. He, he did and now, and then he felt really bad that you know me and emily just drove all the way up the coast to uh to look at this boat and now it's just rock ridden and we're like look we're not going to buy it for 20 grand absolutely no way and then he says you know kind of out of the blue like oh like maybe gary will sell it to you for really cheap and uh and then i was like oh well you know maybe if that's the case got some um, wind coming through the microphone right? yeah yeah so maybe if that's the case if we if he sells it to us for really cheap we might consider it and um so yeah he jumps on the phone to to gary and tells him that he's now the owner of a rotten boat that he's trying to sell. And he's like, oh, shit, like, this is not good. I've got to get rid of this boat. So Gary calls me up on the phone um, and says, hey, I, I want to sell you this boat, but uh, would, you, would you buy it from me for $2,000? So it went from 35 to 20 to two. And I was like, look, I appreciate the offer. Uh, but I need to make a few phone calls. I need to make sure I'm making the right decision with buying this boat. I need to make sure it's going to be seaworthy by the end of my savings. That is so smart, man. Like that, that you know, because people just jump on a bargain and then they, you know. Yeah, so he basically took that comment as a full denial where, you know, in yeah. my reality, I was just really considering it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, then I'm in the car with my partner at the time and that we have the biggest argument of our relationship thinking that we're going to lose all of our money and I'm like, oh, we can do this. We can, we can fix the boat. We can give it a new life. She's like, no, nah, we're going to waste all the money. It's going to go in the pit. We're never going to get it fixed. I'm like, ah, oh, this yeah, what Yeah, because it's one of those things like once you open it up, it could be an endless thing. Yeah, once it's in our name, you know, we, we had to get it seaworthy. So we're waiting for a quote from Tyler. He's, he's a boat builder. So he was like, I'll, I'll, I'll quote you what I think it's going to cost to get it fixed. So over a you know, time period of about a few hours, you know, sun setting, we're leaving uh, Airlie Beach, not sure whether or not we're going to buy this boat or not. We're on the road. We're heading down, back down the coast. Tyler calls me 
and he's like, hey man, I reckon I could fix the boat for $8,000. And I'm like, over the moon with that quote. I'm like, whoa, no way. And um, so then I'm like, oh sweet, we'll call Gary, tell him we'll take the boat. And then, then the vibe fully changed. We were like so Was excited. Was it Emily Stoke? Was she frothing? Yeah, we were, we were both frothing. We were so excited. We were like, sweet, eight grand, we got enough. We can do this. Yes, let's do it. And um, so yeah, before I, we kept driving, before I called um, Gary, up to say hey we'll, we'll take the boat for two thousand dollars he's called me and word for word when i picked up the phone he said hey sage i said oh hey gary he said how you going mate i'm like oh yeah good how are you he said yeah good and then there was a bit of a pause in the conversation he said i have a proposition for you you come to yapoon tomorrow and i will sell you this boat for one dollar and I'm just like what? gobsmacked, like absolutely blown to smithereens. Was it, 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 he just didn't want the headache anymore, the problem, you know, nah. he's got a boat, not, you know, yeah. Exactly, okay. exactly. So so he's just wanting wanting, wanting rid with it, it yeah. know, wanting to get rid of it. And I'm, It's just like a bad investment for, for me. Yeah, That's, he's like, these kids are going to give it a new life. And, that, you know, they'd heard about our project and what we wanted to do. And um, so we're like, I'm, I'm like paused for a second. I'm like, couldn't believe the words he said. And then I'm like, all right. Especially after old mate in your TAFE course is like, mate, you can go up to Early Beach and buy a boat for a dollar. I know. I know. <laughs> so, so we rock up to his work the next morning. He works at a, um, a tab. Like and a he, TAB. He, he owns the tab. Like where you bet. Yeah, where you yeah. bet on horses. Yeah. Terrible industry. And um, we go in, we sign the papers, and um, I give him the dollar coin. It's all recorded. It's all on my YouTube channel. Or the whole video, this whole story is all there. Actually, this story isn't there, but the sailing of the boat and the looking at the boat and the finding the rot's there. But this story, no one's heard before. Not not on a platform like this. And, um, yeah, so we, we, we now own the boat. It's in my name. I've given him the dollar coin. And then we walk outside, and then we realize that Gary owns a tab and he came from a mining industry. So not only did <gasps> our dream get given to us, which we were hoping for a dollar, that our dream was actually supported by dirty money. Wow. Yeah, gambling money, mining money. Exactly. And now you've used your money to, or like you've transferred that and now you're doing, you're taking sailing to bring awareness for conservation. Uh -huh. Oh my God. I know. So it was one of those moments I'll where you're like, I've got goosebumps. I know. We did too. That's for three weeks. vision boards right there. Everyone do a vision board right fucking now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like, oh my God, he's sacrificed like, you know, like 20, you know, Cleon poured in about 10, um, Gary poured in about seven and a half. So there was like 60 grand in the boat. That's mainly from those guys dirty money and we were blown away that our manifesting was to the bloody t and we were like this is meant to be this is absolutely meant to be and um yeah and then we we packed up quit all of our jobs moved on board spent three days sailing from uh early beach to Mackay, which is where i'm going after i drop you off here at the percy's and um and pulled the boat out of the water and spent two weeks ripping it to pieces. You know, we had eight massive patches of rot, the, the biggest one being about five metres squared, like I rebuilt wow. the hulls pretty much. And um, Tyler helped out. And uh, So it was Tyler and his dad? 
Just Tyler. Oh, just Tyler. Yeah, so me, my dad, Emily, Tyler, and Caitlin. Oh, and your dad helped you as well. We were all in the slipway, yeah, helping restore the boat. And uh, spent two weeks out of the water, and then we were in. And, and how then, much did it end up costing? Uh, less. So uh, there's a few different... Um, a few different things where the money so there's the slip fee yeah which was like almost two grand yeah just to then pull there's it out of the water material that was like four and then there was labor which was like another four so it was like about 11 yeah, yeah we yeah. went over we yeah. went over um but we still had enough to get home and yeah. that was all we needed to do was just get home with the boat and um yeah and then we did and that was how what it- was that feeling like once the boat was fixed and you were setting sail in your own boat, you and your girlfriend, the dream had come through and you're going, you're heading out to the ocean to do the dream, you know, that you had had put all in all that effort into. What was that moment like? Bro, it was so amazing. Like one of the most incredible moments of my life when that boat hit the water and it didn't sink. I was so stoked. Holy fuck. But you know what was the most confronting thing about the whole thing was that as soon as we left the Mackay Harbour, we were uh, we were engulfed with about 35 shipping containers filled with coal. And it was the biggest reality shift. Like, like we've just restored our boat. We just created this marine conservation vision. And now we're met with one of the largest coal distributors in all of the world. And there's just coal all over the horizon. And we're just like, holy shit, you know, like... Just reaffirming your vision. Absolutely. Yeah, and then we made a video about coal and the Great Barrier Reef and sharks. And yeah, it was, it was, that was the first day. So that was a great day, a legendary day. And then we sailed out to Prudho and then we made our way out to the Perseus, which is where we are now. And this is, and that, which was the last time you were here? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Dude, can you just tell everyone <laughs> again how, how it feels to make your dreams come true? Oh. Like, cause think, think, okay, I, and I know like now that you've done that and now you have other dreams, like you and I have we've been talking about dreams, you, you, mm. you know, and it's like, it's never over. Mm. Well, a dream can you know? feel really far away and that's a very common feeling. A dream can feel like a dream for a very long time unless you decide, if unless you consciously just choose that, I'm you know what? It. I'm doing it. This is no longer going to be a dream. I'm going to make this my reality. Mm. And you know, it was it was a really swift transition from dream to reality. Like, and and it was strange. You know, it was like holy holy guacamole. Like, we're living the dream now. Yeah. And it was incredible. Like, fully fully heart opening. Like, just like full faith in the universe and synchronicities and manifesting. It was it was amazing. It's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know if I'm lucky that I was just born like this. Or, or what I, f- I found a diary in my house and it was like life goals and dreams uh, and I'd written it about eight years ago when I was living mm. in Canada Yeah. and I ticked every one of those boxes mm. you know it was build my own house live off grid like, and I was like thinking about it I was like I never really I just that's just what I wanted to do so I just went and did it yeah that's it you know what I mean it's like I didn't question it, it was, mm. I was like oh yeah I was like oh I'm just doing this now don't dwindle and when people ask me they're like oh what are you really going to go live off grid I'm like well, yeah, I'm d- gonna go do that. It's like I, I don't know. It's just like, um, and sometimes like I look at people I'm like, well, why aren't you doing that? Mm. Not what I'm doing, but like, why aren't you, you know, living out your dreams? 
Well, that's the thing about, you know, giving time to other people's mm. dreams or your own dreams. All it takes is a conscious choice. Yeah. All you have to do is realize that we can create whatever we want. Well, can't, dude, it, to be honest, it comes down to self-love. I just, yeah. I had a, a friend, or I had someone in my life not too long ago, and, and I just remember observing. I said, I, and, I, and I told him, I said, you know, like Jordan Peterson always says, you know, make your bed first. You know, get your life in order, then go have a good time. Yeah. And when you see someone have dreams and they go, yeah, I want to do this and this, this is what I want, but never actually make any actions to work towards it, mm. you're like, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, okay, what you just did this, like this, that's, that's the opposite of getting to, towards your goals you know it's like yeah. you do need to make sacrifices if you yeah. want to make your dreams come true mm. you know and that's and that's the thing like you realize sometimes like oh you can't you can't do it for people mm. you know what i mean because and then even if you do this it's not going to manifest like i think it can stay uh, on the dream board forever yeah i think yeah i think the 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 one thing that i always remind myself is no one's going to do it for me mm. but me I have to do it. Yeah. If I want to fucking make this shit happen, just fucking do it. You know what I mean? And it breaks my heart when I see people in my life, family, friends, whatever, not doing it. You know, courting in this self-sabotage loop because they feel mm. they're not worthy or scared or that they're not capable. Mm. And I'm like, you know, I had a friend say to me the other day, they're like, oh, fuck Aaron, you're pretty capable. You know, because I'm a tree climber. I don't know. I just do all this shit. I'm like, well, I'm not really. I just... Go give it a go. I just do it. <laughs> and then once I'm in the middle, think of it, I've got to figure it out. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. it makes you capable. Yeah. You know, it's just like, and, and all it is, it's like, it's just self-belief. It's like when you and I climb down a cliff, it's like I have a self-belief in my body that I know that I'm capable to um, react with rational fear at any situation that comes at me. And to be able to react in rational fear instead of irrational, I have to believe in myself and my capabilities mm. and know my body hasn't let me down before. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and you know what I mean? It's just mm. like, you, you have to kind of give yourself, yourself this level of self-belief. Mm. And um, It's true. Manifesting can't happen without self-belief. Yeah, you just got to know like, oh yeah, I can do, do that. But it's like for some reason we get caught in this fucking story that we're not good enough. That like that lifestyle or that dream is for someone else. We would love to do that, but we can't actually do it. And you're like, look at that person that is doing it. Do you think that it just happened for them? Mm. No, they started exactly where you were. They started with a vision, with a dream and went, fuck, I know nothing about sailing. Shit, but I want to go live on a boat mm. and have an own boat. Oh, I better start learning. Better go to the Coxon's course. Yeah, better go to a course. Better read a fucking book. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it's just it, like, man. it's that step by step. You don't just step on a boat and be like, oh yeah, here I am. I'm a captain now. Mm. You know, you just put in the effort. Yeah, very true. Okay, so now that you've got your own boat, all right? Yeah. Right. And um, and from what I know of you and uh, of the, the the last week and the, the storm systems that have hit us, it ain't always smooth sailing, mate. Oh, God, I mean... <laughs> Gosh, no. It's, it's seriously not all smooth sailing. We were hanging on for dear life a couple of days ago oh, <laughs> with lightning dude. hitting the water all around us, waves smashing through. No. Nah. It was hectic. Dude, this one time oh, on this boat, on that trip home, I was uh, sailing where we sailed past just yesterday. It's uh, it's called Townshend Island. It's a military exercise area. And uh, I was sailing from 
I'd actually just sailed from the Percy's to the Dukes, which is only 40 kilometers west of here. And then from the Dukes, I went on the inland route through Shoalwater Bay uh, down behind Townshend to pop out Strong Tide Passage. And um, Strong Tide Passage sounds safe. What, what, <laughs> I didn't know the name of the passage during the time. <laughs> I was just like, oh yeah, it looks like I could go through there. <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've sailed in from uh, the Percy's pretty much uh, and tucked in behind Townshend Island and dropped anchor there for the night. And uh, little did I know at that period of time, it was completely illegal to anchor next to this island because it's a military exercise area. Like bombs could be dropping like at any second. Like someone could come out and just think you're a target and shoot you. Like <laughs> you've got no idea what to expect. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> I just pictured when you said that, like some army dude in his training and he's like, we don't know what we're going to come up against. The enemy's around here somewhere. <laughs> Oh, it must be the sailors. Quick, shoot them. (laughs) (laughs) Think of the army set them up. (laughs) Yeah, he's the target. The target's coming through now. This ship's rot ridden. (laughs) Get it, boys. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we anchored there. And, uh, yeah, we were planning on leaving the following morning. And we spent spent a beautiful night there. Nice, calm water, nice protective water. We woke up, uh, let's say, just a little bit late to the tide. So this area of water, which is known as Shoalwater Bay, has some of the strongest tidal movement on this area of the Queensland coast. Which we, we felt it out to sea from there yesterday. We, yeah. we had like two, three knots of current against us pretty much all day. Yeah, yeah. We were bashing into it and bouncing around a lot. So this place is known for like, especially this strong tide passage, which I was unaware of the name of, is known for five to seven knot currents which is the top speed of my boat under motor. Like, I can't move faster than this current. And uh, we, we set sail. We're like, all right, cool. We'll, we'll go to Port Clinton, which is where we spent a few days, um, about four days ago. And, uh, yeah, we'll just wake up and then, you know, go out the entrance and then sail off. So the high tide was about 6 o'clock in the morning, which is just after sunrise. I think we got out of bed at 7 and pulled up the anchor at 7.30, and then arrived at the, the entrance or the exit to the to the ocean, the open swell and the open ocean where all the swell hits hits this uh, this inlet at about eight o'clock, so two hours after high tide, which meant the water was running in the direction that we were traveling, except it was running straight in to the ocean swell. So, oh, yeah, for yeah. a lot of people, Turbulence. they probably don't know, but if you get tidal flow heading in the direction of a wave that's coming towards the tidal flow the waves do this really weird thing and they peak and the the swells just merge and it is just one of the messiest seas that you Mm. can ever experience i call it a washing machine yeah you know what i mean it's like getting caught in the washing machine it is so wild so we were we weren't expecting a a full-on uh channel crossing at all you know we're just expecting to go around the corner and sail around to dukes and it's going to be beautiful so we've put the sails up the main sails up got a double reef in the main and uh the jibs out the front and we start picking up speed like we start off like five six knots the wind's already up in the morning we're scooting along we hit seven knots by this stage i only had my boat for like a, a, a month or something three and a half weeks since the slipway and um you know, I hadn't really gone very fast on it. So we just keep increasing speed faster and faster and faster. Seven, seven and a half, eight, 
eight and a half, nine. I'm like, holy shit, this is the top speed of the boat that I've ever experienced. Like, what's happening right now? Nine and a half, 9.7. I'm like, whoa, okay, we've got so much tide in our, in our direction right now. And we're sailing. And then I look up and there's just these rolling waves, just like a full line of them on the horizon. And we're heading straight for them. And there's no way in the world we could have turned around against that tide because it was running so fast so i'm like there with my dad and my girlfriend your dad's on board my dad's on board he was helping sail to the keppels just so that you know we didn't die (laughs) (laughs) anyway he didn't he didn't see this situation coming (laughs) um so we're heading straight for this fucking wall of just looks like the messiest seas i've ever seen and you'll be going way too fast to turn around we're going all the tide with you dude tides like pushing us into these waves like I'm going the fastest I've ever gone in my life and I'm just like guys hold on we had no time to grab life jackets the grab bag the EPIRB nothing it like popped up out of nowhere because we were going so fast like it just looked like rolling waves for a little bit and then just before we got to it it was just like holy shit this is going to be insane so we hit this like what felt like just a line of whitewash and just chaotic seas and just for the first few waves that we hit we were kind of bouncing over it like semi-okay and then like the more waves we hit, the slower the boat started to move. And the slower your boat is moving, the more it is affected by the waves. So as we're going through this chaotic water, the boat starts to slow down. Slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down until we're virtually not moving. We're still moving a little bit because we have the sails up, but the boat is smashing through these waves. Like the bow is like 35 degrees above the horizon the water level and then smashing down then the tail is coming like equally up as high we're like we're like a rocking bull back and back up and down like things are sliding i've got this big aluminium tinny on the back of uh, my boat that um that was way too heavy for the boat and it wasn't removed and each time the the back of the boat uh sunk back uh the tinny would hit the water and then as the back of the boat would come getting like shot back up it would like have no tension on the ropes and then all this tension would just go and like the davits which is how the tinnies held up were really not designed for the weight of the tinny so it felt like at any stage this tinny was either going to get filled up with water because it was at water level with these crazy waves and rip the back of the davits over losing the radio antenna and the solar panels and the tinny and you know all this yeah. shit and we're like freaking out there's also this big generator at the back of the boat and it's weighs like 50 kilos so hard to pick up and move that's literally sliding on the deck like if it would have hit our ankles it would have broken our legs so i'm just holding on for dear life dad's holding on for dear life hey. emily's got the camera rolling all these videos up on my youtube channel it's fucking crazy and are, you, are you are you freaking out like, are, are you, like, are you thinking you're hardly moving? Is the boat going to hold? Like, obviously, like the dinghy, you might lose that. You might have to cut it. You like, you, you already, you've already, you've already gotten to the point where you're like, this shit's going to go at the back here. Yeah. You know, what about the whole boat? Or like, how are you going to get like? Look, it, it was one of those moments where I was like, there obviously wasn't much time for any thought other than fucking being in control. Yeah. And that's all I could do was hold course. If we went side onto these waves, you know, we could have tipped the boat, we could have sunk the boat, we could have ripped the boat open. It could have been fucking worst case scenario. But all I was thinking about in that moment was keep the nose straight into the waves. So did you put the keep engines going. on? 
both engines were flat strap sails were up tide was in our favor we were hooking it and um there's a, there's a little dinghy coming past us <laughs> yeah hey guys <laughs> wave out to <laughs> yeah old sailors yeah so um we're um we're scooting along oh we'll let these guys pass we'll let this engine pass yeah no, that's cool. Just we're doing a podcast, mate. <laughs> no, no. We just said Anchorage. How do you not know? This diaries of the wild ones. I <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, love it, eh? Just, just people out. Just like, so where we're anchored here. What? There's another twelve, what, ten boats in here? Yes. Yeah, and it's just people out adventuring. Yeah. There's no one our age, but you know, there's people. <laughs> no, we're definitely the youngest. Well, You're the be. youngest. I like would 10 be. Ten years older than you. Yeah. Yeah, so we're in this experience. Emily's got the camera rolling. The boat is like the whole front of the boat's getting waves breaking over it. I'm, I'm really grateful that we just like spent you know over ten grand fixing up the boat and restoring the hull. Oh my god! Imagine it was still rotten. You wouldn't. You no way. The boat would have just fallen apart, bro. It would have. It would have just ripped and apart. And seas like that, you just get swept out and sucked up under, swept out. Like there's, you go overboard, you're done. Yeah, yeah. So we're still in this fucking pickle of a mess. You know, it's terrifying we're all we're all worried what was emily doing she was videoing no 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 <laughs> but, but like she was she, she was screaming and she uh freaking? she was like holy shit and um she was like oh i gotta go grab the epurb which is like you know the, yeah. the thing you shit activate. so it, it got to the point where you you know like to have the epurb on you yeah like, she she went to go grab not... the epurb yeah wow yeah it was it was, it was so close That's to that serious. moment yeah it was really wild man so, you know, obviously the camera was rolling and um, I've got a YouTube channel. So that experience goes up online uh, to, I think, 150,000 people have seen it. And, um, man, the comments were just brutal. <laughs> brutal, bro. Like, obviously, we had no time to grab life jackets in this situation. We didn't know what was coming. So we're in this situation, got the camera rolling. You know, the, the seas are like... The horizon disappearing, and then the sky is showing on the video, and then the and then the water, and then it's just like the <laughs> boats banging around, the oh. the generator sliding around the deck. People are like, "You're an absolute idiot." I'm like, "Look, like these things happen on the ocean. You get caught off guard, like, and there's no time. These things happen in life, <laughs> not just the ocean. It's yeah. life. <laughs> you you yeah, know what exactly. I mean? You know, we learnt from that situation. And I learnt so much. You know be very very cautious around tidal movements and inlets and always have your life jackets on when you're entering an ocean ocean swell and all these different things that i learned but people just wanted to smash me and you know i learned a lot from that you know water off a duck's back you know a lot of people will tell you you're not worthy of something or you're an idiot or all these things trying to put you down and validate their own opinions on, on what their perspective of life is but yeah, you no, know they don't matter this is you have to stay strong <laughs> to to, to your yeah. intentions and your mission and yeah. your your purpose otherwise everyone everyone people there's that many people in the world and that many opinions and perspectives circulating around that there's always going to be people putting you down and being against you you seriously people seriously reckon we're all just that perfect you know what i mean to to the point where it's like oh i'm gonna like learn to surf i'm not gonna be a pro Mm. within a day i'm learning Mm. i'm gonna make mistakes i'm gonna hurt myself i'm gonna fall over yeah you know i'm going to learn from i'm doing everything that i can to give myself the tools to do the best that i can but i'm Mm. still learning Mm. you know what i mean and even that any any sailor look we heard on the radio on the storm that we were in them um so we got caught in a huge storm the other day which just happened again and then 
we we went to a safe haven and anchored for two days yeah. and we couldn't get out while there were storms in the south and there was just big yeah. storms brewing and we we're listening to the radio and the, the coast guards kept going you know storm warning cancelled it's all cool and then next thing you're like nah major storm warning an hour later going major storm warning for these regions and then we heard over the radio you know um an epurb's gone off yeah and a 45 foot boat a 14 meter yeah so that's almost like 55 foot 55 foot boat has like you know um getting rescued eight meter seas or whatever like if you're sailing a boat that big you know obviously you got experience and everything and Mm. you know these guys are pulling an epurb that's look at every adventure around the world shit isn't always going perfect man that's that's the thing that is the adventure yeah, you know, and it is, and like you, you do get caught in situations mm-hmm. like that, you know. Yeah, so I'm really lucky in that moment. You know, we we kept going, we we just kept keeping my nose pointed into the waves. We trucked on, you know, slowly, 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 and over the time span of probably like 25 minutes, the seas started to calm down, and uh, yeah, we we got out. I screamed to the top of my lungs, bro, like like I just like run a marathon, you know, like we survived. It was it was a legendary moment, and then um, yeah, and then that was that's the hairiest moment I've ever what, had at what sea. Did, what did your dad do? Was, oh, it, was he freaking? He he was pretty proud, you know, when we got yeah. through and was like, "Good job, good job, son." You know, like we made it, we survived. <laughs> was he freaking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was nothing we could do, you know. Yeah. We were just at well, the whim. Sucked in it. I, you know, and this is Diaries of the Wild Ones. People, wrong place, wrong time. You know, I've got this story of when I got sucked out to sea at, um, oh, I think it's like uh, Return to India after I was meditating. And then I went, I went and I was diving in Indonesia and I was diving down this, this hole, but it was right at the edge of this cliff. And as I dove down, I got caught in a current underwater. No way. And I, I came up, I didn't realize I was getting swept out. I was just coming up for a breath. And when I went to get to the breath, um, I couldn't get to the surface. There was just God. whitewash going. I couldn't couldn't get a breath, and I had to use my flippers to jump out of the water, like do a big like kind of dive up mm. to get a breath and trying to figure out what was going on. And I had I was diving on the edge of this huge current. Tide had turned, and it just started sweeping out and just started sweeping me out to sea. I was with two other people. It was go mode. It was oh my god, shit is real and and shit is serious. Mm. And I ended up having to um I I, I lost it. I couldn't swim against it, and I ended up having to swim for the cliff and getting a wave, a rogue wave, to throw me five meters up against the cliff. I got all cut up, I had to climb. It was hectic. Everything that happened, Whoa. but like, let's say if I videoed that, you know, everyone would be like, you're an idiot. He goes, well, did you freaking, there's current there. <laughs> well, it wasn't fucking five minutes ago, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. But now I know. Rational fear. <laughs> You know, react you know what I mean? Oh, fuck, mate. Um, I just love what Jeff Weatherall said to me in the podcast, um, Base Jumper. He just, he's talking to, you know, he's, you know, one of the world's most experienced base jumpers. And he says in it, he goes, um, I refuse to live my life wrapped in cotton wool. You know, and he says that as a response to other people's opinions or like, you know, like, of how you should live your life. He, he, he says it to the response of the base jumping community in Australia with the regulations around it, such tight where places around the world, they like promote and like, yeah, you can go come jump off our building and they'd have to live this like secret life of like, mm. 
breaking into shit <laughs> you know what i mean doing i call it heist i love it they love that i call it heist like doing these heists to like sneak into places to jump off these huge thing and the, and the government's like no you can't do that and general public are like no you can't do that you can't risk yourself like that and he's mm. like well, fuck well, aren't i responsible for myself yeah he's like, this is my life and he's yeah. like i do everything that i can to protect it and tick these boxes so you know things go right and he actually is i i'm actually really um as a like a uh another adventurer as a, as a guy that with a really adventurous spirit to re, he really ticks his a b c's and d's he's like like a, you know straight down the line making mm. sure everything's right before he doesn't if it's not right he won't do it mm. but the thing is at the end of the day it's his life you know what i mean For, yeah. to have his experience and he's like i'm not going to live it if the government says i can't jump off this thing who the fuck are they these are my words now not his but you know he he gets to the point where i'm not going to live my life wrapped in cotton wool yeah yeah i like that yeah i i and that when he said that to me it was really inspiring i was like whoa you know i'm like Neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> we like to call it calculated risk. Yeah, we, we call it calculated risk, the stuff we've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's climb down this cliff. With no ropes. Yeah, after we've said it's too dangerous. So we'll do it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> like, should we give it a go? Yeah, we should. So, so now, so now, you know, like obviously you're, you're, you're sailing up. You've had this boat for two years now. Yeah, man. You've yeah. been living on it for two years. Uh, you've picked me up as a hitchhiker. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, you're dropping me off at this island, which I'm starting to think now is not the best idea because I'm living a pretty good life on your boat. Yeah, it's <laughs> been pretty amazing. Eh? And because I'm filming it, I, just, I have this vision of like, you know, waving to you as you, as you set sail and leave me on the island. Yeah. And then like, I suddenly just... Go, oh, fuck, what am I going to do now? <laughs> fuck. I'm already hungry. Yeah. I'm going to have to go kill something for some food. Oh, I'm going to have to... Well, I suppose that's the, that's the point, isn't it? Foraging? Yeah. You know, the energy, like being in, a, in such a beautiful ecosystem like this, away from... We're on the Percy Islands, man. There's, you know, there's all these islands around us and they're huge. There's South Island over here. It's uninhabited. This island here, Middle Island that we're off, has a homestead on it with, mm. with a couple that live on it, the Cooks. Yeah. You know, that's all that's here. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? You know, there's goats that run wild here. There's fish that breed and like, and... Coral uh, trout everywhere. Coral, well, we saw a couple today and, and we, we ate one for lunch. It was beautiful and we really thanked it and it was just, you know, there's coconuts. It's, it's just raw. It's wild. It's different. And mm. all that, and I had been told about this place and I wanted to see it and experience it and there's no boats go, like there's no commercial boats that go out here there's no barge there's no ferry mm. you know it's just like the only way to get out it's too far from the mainland for motor yachts to go for fishermen that are just coming out yeah. the only way to get out here is sailing yeah exactly. and so if I want to come out here, how am I going to do it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it just makes sense. It's, it's back to what you're saying. You have a dream, you just do it. And it was actually easy. Mm. It was easy. I put a note up in a marina, put a thing on the, on the Facebook sailing website that was up for two days and then got taken down. Cause they're like, Oh, Hey mate, we've got another page for this. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'll put it up there. But at the same time, I'd got your details and messaged you. And by mm. that stage, we were talking and after meeting you, it just felt right. I was like, Oh, this is, you know values align yeah it's been pretty perfect yeah it's been pretty we're both quite adventurous souls we don't mind pushing the limits i know and we just uh i've got this really cool uh camera set up that i'm just stoked about you know having a drone a gimbal um this sony camera 
and then I've got the two GoPros and then we're just sitting down just before and going through the footage and just losing it mm. but how funny some of the stuff it's is pretty much a comedy fest <laughs> it's just <laughs> with like extreme adventure yeah <laughs> Oh man, so what's your plan now with Pearl, the, the catamaran that we're sitting on named Pearl? What's your plan oh, now? With well, it? well, Pearl, she's she's required a lot of love over the time owning this boat. You know, from the first you know few days, completely rebuilding the hulls to, you know, painting the top deck to replacing the battery bank, new panels, new obviously strengthened up the davits so I could wouldn't break off in a, if I was ever in that situation again. You know, basically this boat is my home. So everywhere I go, I have everything I need. Um, and my plan is just to explore. I'm here to explore. Um, I'm, in, I'm in Australia, which I feel very privileged to be, to be here. And um, do you get homesick or landsick, like from, from Bruns? Like do you... It's a pretty isolating life, I must admit that, you know, especially sailing solo. You know, I have my community and my friends and my family, well, my mum and my sister, my dad's sailing with me, yeah. <laughs> which, which is great. Although, you know, we are father and son, so that dynamic comes out a bit. Yeah, well, we did leave him at the Duke. Yeah, we were just like, you go over there, mate, we're going to the Percy's. Yeah, we'll, we'll go battle this. Uh... <laughs> Got to fly the coop, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, lots, lots of stuff goes wrong. Anyway, it's all part of the journey. But yeah, I, it is isolating and, and that's a little tough living on the ocean by yourself, but it's you know, my friends predominantly are, are the animals. You know, each day, you know, I wake up and, you know, I look, poke my head out the window and I, I look around and I'm just blown away by the beauty of nature. And, you know, mm. what else is there to, to do in life than, than to appreciate your environment, to have connections with animals, to, to, to honour the land and the water where you are and share it with the world. So, and play in it. Mm. playing it and experiencing it but you've always got people coming on don't you yeah i have people coming on uh, every now and again help me crew i've got some mates in queensland that come on every now and again too but um yeah predominantly i mean i have my youtube channel so i have i have my purpose out here i've got my videos that you know i'm really passionate about you know i talk about you know the land and the, the animals and you know personal impact and choices and and put it into a, a video where I'm creating my own music for it. And just like, it's my full creative outlet. So I have somewhere to channel my energy when I'm out here, which I'm really thankful for. And that's that's where I'm planning on directing a lot of my energy. And, I'm, you know, I'm doing it almost every day, you know, editing, mm. making music, recording. Obviously, this trip, we're going to make some amazing videos from. Oh, yeah, content trip. Oh, my God, we've got this crazy footage. I just can't get over the, going through that footage, the footage that we have. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. So after the Percy's, so you're picking up another friend in Mackay, yeah, and then you're setting up to to the Whit Sundays. Yeah, yeah, I'll be cruising up the coast for probably another month or two. I'm still not really sure what my plan is. The amazing thing about living on the ocean is that your weather's dictate. Sorry, your life <laughs> is dictated by the weather. So you can't be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go here on this day and meet you there on this time, and everything will just be, you know. Dandy. All, all cruisy but no that's that's not how the ocean works that's not how life on the ocean works it's a it's a symbiotic relationship with the wind and the swell and the tides do you find that humbles you 
Absolutely, man. You know, just in the past couple of days, we've we've had to hide from these massive thunderstorms rolling through. You know, every day we woke up, we were like, oh, we really want to go. And, you know, we even pulled up the anchor one day and went out to the end of the river mouth and we're like, should we do it? Yeah, we're standing at the end of the ocean. We're like, no, nah, we're going for it. Your dad's on the radio going, please reconsider. <laughs> I'll, I'll cook you something. Or we'll make tea. Come and just yeah. trying to sell it to us. And we're like, yeah. no, nah, we're just going for a look. And you and I are like, no, nah, should we just send it? Yeah. And then we get out there and that storm system that was behind us that we thought was going south, next thing this one starts building out to sea as well and then north from mm. us and the three are joining yeah. and we get out there and we're looking we're like, oh, we could, ooh, don't know. And then we're asking the pendulum. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled out my pendulum we to really ask the universe sure. and it's saying, don't go out right now. And we're like... Uh, and it was like a hard decision to like kind of take our egos out of it and, mm. and, and turn around and say, nah, it's like, yeah, I'm, like I was, I was, yeah, I was fine with that. Yeah. It's just like, well, we're here. This and is what the, the weather's telling us to do. Mm. And, that's, just, and that's just in the past couple of days, you know, life's like that every day, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just fully being, you know, to the, being at the whim of the weather, you know, you aren't in control here. We're just, we're just sailing with the wind. Mm. And you know, I love what you just said that just then you and I had a chat yesterday, um, or this morning, it was like, you just said you aren't in control. Mm. I'm like, you never are. Nah. Life for me is always amazing when I just surrender and mm. allow it to just be. And that's what comes in. And then the only time when my life has been freaking like where I've created a mess in it, because, you know, I create my reality. I've created fucking everything. And the only time when it's been a mess is when I've tried to fucking control it. Mm. Try to control other people. Try to control outcomes. Mm. You know, and it's just made my life a fucking living mess every time I've done that. Well, you know, I haven't done it much, luckily, but mm. like, yeah. you know, it has. And, and, you know, and it's that saying that I, that I always love. And it's, and Rio said it to me originally. And, I, and it was, um, the universe is always trying to give you everything that you need. If you accept it, you're blessed. If you don't, you make your life difficult. And so, as soon mm. as you try to control things, you try to control anything in life, you're just going to make it difficult. <laughs> you know, so mm. the best thing you can do is just fucking surrender and allow what is. And I said that I do that meditation before every trip. And I, I did it here. I went and did my breath work on the beach at Yapoon and, and did a uh, morning meditation about like just allowing myself just to go completely into the experience, just to surrender and just let the experience take me traveling. You know, have no agenda, have no control, have no, um, no expectation of the outcome. Just go. It's lucky you said that because we got stranded for a while. <laughs> we got fucked up. We both had to surrender. <laughs> I know, but it's like that in anything in life, you know, it's just like, fuck man, you know, anything in life, you know, as soon as you want to change the outcome, you know, hey, uh, before we go, man, mm. Oh, actually, no, I've got, I've got two more questions All for right, you. Bro. It, no, I, I really want, I, while we've got the mics out, I'd love for you to get out your guitar and, and, and play something if you wanted to, if you're comfortable to. Yeah. You know, we're sitting here, the sun's like, it's starting to set. We've got this beautiful backdrop. Yeah. We've been diving today. We've been climbing freaking cliffs today. We've been exploring. Mm. We've been playing in the ocean with freaking turtles and fish and like, you know, and what a way to be able to crack a beer and listen to like one of, one of your tunes. But... Mm. I was just going to ask you, and, you know, you've said, you know, sailing's humbled you that, you know, um, and you've, you've said some really insightful things. 
you know, but what, what has this life so far taught you? You know, if there's anything like you could pass on to either your younger self or anyone, just like your own insight, you know, like mm. for, for me, it's always, you know, connect to, to your soul, to your soul purpose, to your true self and live that. That's what I always like to pass on to people. That's what I've mm. learned is when I do that, life's fucking amazing. Mm. But it's like for you, what is your insight? You know, from this life mm. that you're living, living on the ocean. I know it's a hard question. It's a deep yeah. one. Yeah. Like, there's lots of factors to that. You know, there's... I mean, I feel like a, a massive lesson that I've learned from living on the ocean has been that my imagination is my biggest limiting belief. So, if I, if I can imagine something, if I can, if I can envision something, I can create it. I can manifest it without that belief or or capability to to see into the unknown um things things can't happen mm. so yeah I've, I've learned i've learned a lot about manifesting and um yeah well you know it's like i i put it to to manifesting and putting it out to the universe being optimistic but it's just as it's even more simple to that than that it's like when you when you like surrender to your dreams and where you want to go when you actually make that decision you start moving towards it you put that energy out there you put that out there it's like okay i'm moving in this direction mm. once you start moving in that direction you start learning you start meeting people you start connecting with people that are more that are in your tribe that are doing the same thing or that want to help you because they're seeing that you've got a dream you know what I mean? So it's just like, it's yeah, it is manifestation, but it's also just as simple as that you actually just start moving in that direction mm. and you just start making it happen because you meet the right people. You know, mm. you meet other people doing it. You meet the people in those crowds that are doing that can give you mm. information that can help you, you know? And be, by opening yourself up to that, opportunity happens. That mm. is being the opportunist. It's yeah. networking. Yeah. Yeah, something I've definitely learned has been I don't have to limit myself to what society has let's just say planned out for me so i don't i don't have to to give in i don't have to accept something i'm not happy with i don't have to work nine to five you know five days a week yeah I, if I, that's I, not for you you it, don't have to do it no i i can choose i can consciously choose this is what living on the ocean has provided to me the the realization that i am the core foundation of my of my reality is is dictated by me yeah you're the driver of your own i life. am so, and in every way you know i i'm i surf i skate i free dive i i mm. sail I, I i just have so many things that make me happy i make music i climb all these different things and what i realized was that i can do everything that makes me happy share it with the world and be supported and that was that was a massive realization because so many people think like, oh, how do you do it? How do you how do you live on the ocean? How do you follow your dreams? It's it's simply you allow it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> believing in yourself, yeah. you know. And and living on the ocean has helped me to believe in myself. Mm, and, and believing that you're worthy. Mm. That's the biggest thing. It's like that you're worthy, you know. And I'm capable too. Yeah. Mm. I just love that we are the unique manifestations of love that we are. You know, it's like, again, Rio told me that years ago and I just fucking always remember it. And that's, every time I meet someone now, I see that in them. I look into their soul, I'm like, that 
person as the unique manifestation of love that they are. Mm. You know, you can look at anyone and they can be the most beautiful person in the world. You know, you can look at yourself and you can be the most beautiful, capable person mm. in the world if you just allow yourself. Man, yeah, man. If you've got enough self-love. <laughs> if you've got enough self-love, you just do anything. Man, yeah. yeah, it's just, man, it's just fucking life and it's just learning. Yeah. Look at where we are, you know? Like we're sitting here, like I hope you, the listener, you guys, the listeners, just got the point. We put the point because, you know, Sage is 22. He's got a catamaran. We're in the Percy Islands right now. It's freaking absolutely magical. We're both just kissed by life right now. Mm. So we're frothing, we're mm. absolutely frothing. And I know I just kept pushing that point about allow and like do your dreams and all that shit. But it's fucking, it's cliche. Mm. The cliches are freaking real. Oh, yeah. Cliches of dates, what makes shit happen, you know, do it. Mm. All right, dude, would you mind grabbing a guitar, bro, playing me a little, like, to, crack bro. a little beer and, and yeah. send out this podcast? Yeah, let me go grab it, man. All right, dude. Okay, you got your Yuki ready? I've got my ukulele. Okay, well, I'm going to crack a beer. Perfect. There's one there for you, but you're about to play the All guitar. Right. I'll have a sip off. How's that? Free brewing coat. Organic preservative free beer out on the Percy Islands. Mate, it doesn't get any better than this. We're on a freaking yacht. All right. Um, so I'm going to share a song that's uh, one of the first songs I wrote on ukulele. I was in Harvey Bay many years ago um, uh, on my dad's boat when I was living on board. And uh, let's just say I had a uh, little little argument with him. And uh, I wanted to get off his boat and I took the kayak to shore and um yeah took took my ukulele took some potatoes took some tea and a pot and went and had a fire on the beach by myself on this beautiful island sat underneath the stars brought some sleeping equipment too and just yeah wrote this song um about you know how how i haven't been connected into society but i found liberation through that and um yeah all the ways that i connect to nature and just yeah this song channeled through in that moment and it was yeah, a special song and one that stayed with me. I love how your your music, how you told me uh, yesterday, it's like it starts off just freestyle. Mm. You know what I mean? You just play, and I've watched you freestyle, and it's so freaking cool, man. Yeah, yeah really talented. Did you want to sit or stand? Oh yeah, I can sit. Yeah, wherever you're most comfortable. Yeah, no, I'll probably sit. <laughs> I was just standing because I was like, fuck, I'll just stand. <laughs> now I'll sit. Yeah, that's good. Ooh, there's two microphones in front of my face right now, just so you know. Yeah, I'm just trying to. Trying to get out, out from the wind. All right.
on the ocean one with the breeze in the bay surrounded by trees take some time to breathe in celebrate what you've been given take some time to walk through the Embrace the stars Listen to the bird choir Sit down and relax, enjoy the fire Once some people wake up And throw the rug off their heads They will finally realize and understand And the people in power will fall like lead They will fall like lead Can I have your name tag, please? Sure you can, I'm a human being I don't fit into society And because of that I am truly free Cause I don't fit into society Holy shit <laughs> Dude Dude Bruh. That was so freaking good Oh my god Your voice sounded so good through the mic Dude man. Thanks man Dude you freaking can, You can really hit high notes And really hit the low notes oh, It's so good Cheers man Appreciate it Yeah dude you could, Oh no I've been, I've been having Let me beers. crack this beer right? I've been having beers in the afternoon and um and listening to you play, it's just been so good. Yeah, how good are those beers? Eh? You know, you don't have to feel as bad when they're when they're preservative free when and organic, organic. You know. Oh. Well, there's Ash that uh, runs Free Brewing Co. Man, he's just compassionate. He's got heart in it. He's kind of like you, just like wants to make a difference. He wants to make a good impact on the earth. Yeah, thanks, brother. Cheers. Mm. Should we clink it? Yeah, let's clink. And clink. There clink we go. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> All right, man. Should we get out of here and enjoy the sunset? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on here. Really appreciate it. Dude, thank you for having me on the boat. <laughs> yeah, such a pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate it, dude. Let's just keep sending it. Mm. Uh, out of here, guys. Enjoy. I hope you guys like this episode. Now, remember, I've got prizes to give away for whoever shares it for me. Go on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, put it on your social media story, tell your mum. Send me a message, send me a screenshot, or I'm just going to see it on Apple Podcasts anyway, or I'm going to see it on social media, and every week I'm going to pick someone and I'm going to send them an O-Penal Knife or a Diaries of the Wild Ones t-shirt. Enjoy, guys, and thanks for listening.
Now do it like a double.